My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 59, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, number 7, Deuteronomy 7, and Psalm 91. Number 7. When Moses finished setting up the tabernacle, he anointed and consecrated it and all its furnishings. He also anointed and consecrated the altar and all its utensils. Then the leaders of Israel, the heads of families who were the tribal leaders in charge of those who were counted, made offerings. They brought as their gifts before the Lord six covered carts and twelve oxen, an ox from each leader and a cart from every two. These they presented before the tabernacle. The Lord said to Moses, Accept these from them, that they may be used in the work at the tent of meeting. Give them to the Levites as each man's works requires. So Moses took the carts and oxen and gave them to the Levites. He gave two carts and four oxen to the Gershonites as their work required. And he gave four carts and eight oxen to the Merites as their work required. They were all under the direction of Ithamar, son of Aaron, the priest. Moses did not give any to the Kohathites because they were not carrying on their shoulders the holy things for which they were responsible. When the altar was anointed, the leaders brought their offerings from its dedication and presented them before the altar. For the Lord had said to Moses, Each day one leader is to bring his offering for the dedication of the altar. The one who brought his offering on the first day was Nehashan, son of Aminadab of the tribe of Judah. His offering was one silver plat weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering. One gold dish weighed 10 shekels, filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering. One male goat for a sin offering and two oxen, five rams, five male goats and five male lambs as a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Nashon, son of Aminadab. On the second day, Nathanel, son of Zuar, the leader of Issachar, brought his offering. The offering he brought was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering. One gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering. One male goat for sin offering and two oxen, five ram, five male goats, and five male lambs as a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Nethanel, son of Zuar. On the third day, Eliab, son of Helon, the leader of the people of Zubalon, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Eliab, son of Helon. On the fourth day, Eleazar, son of Shuduar, the leader of the people of Reuben, brought his offering. 
His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour, with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs as a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Elazur, son of Shadur. On the fifth day, Shalomiel, son of Zerishadai, the leader of the people of Simeon, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Shalumiel, son of Zerishadai. On the sixth day, Elisav, son of Duel, the leader of the people of Gad, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Elisaf, son of Duel. On the seventh day, Elishama, son of Amehud, the leader of the people of Ephraim, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, a year old, to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Elishema, son of Amahud. On the eighth day, Gamilalel, son of Pedesur, the leader of the people of Manasseh, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel each filled with the finest of flour with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing ten shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, two oxen, five ram, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Gamalalel, son of Paduasur. On the ninth day, Abedan, son of Gideonai, the leader of the people of Benjamin, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with the olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Abadan, son of Gidonai. On the tenth day, Ahazur, son of Amenishadai, the leader of the people of Dan, brought his offering. 
His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five ram, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Ahazur, son of Amenishadai. On the eleventh day, Pagiel, son of Okran, the leader of the people of Asher, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering. One gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Pagiel, son of Okran. On the twelfth day, Ahira, son of Enon, the leader of the people of Nethtali, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Ahira, son of Anon. These were the offerings of the Israelite leaders for the dedication of the altar when it was anointed. Twelve silver plates, twelve silver sprinkling bowls, and twelve gold dishes. Each silver plate weighing 130 shekels and each sprinkling bowl 70 shekels. Altogether, the silver dishes weighed 2,400 shekels, according to the sanctuary shekel. The twelve gold dishes filled with incense weighed ten shekels each according to the sanctuary shekel. Altogether, the gold dishes weighed 120 shekels. The total number of animals for the burnt offerings came to twelve young bulls, twelve rams, and twelve male lambs a year old, together with their grain offering. Twelve male goats were used for the sin offering. The total number of animals for the sacrifice of the fellowship offering came to 24 oxen, 60 rams, 60 male goats, and 60 male lambs a year old. These were the offerings for the dedication of the altar after it was anointed. When Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim, above the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant law. In this way, the Lord spoke to him. Deuteronomy 7. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, you are entering to possess and drive out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Gerashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from the following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people, for you were the fewest of all people. 
But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. But those who hate him, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him. Therefore, take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you. And he swore to your ancestors, he will love you and bless you and increase your numbers. He will bless the fruit of your womb, the crops of your land, your grain, new wine, and olive oil, the calves of your herd and the lambs of your flock and the land he swore to your ancestors to give to you. You will be blessed more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless, nor will any of your livestock be without young. The Lord will keep you free from every disease. He will not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he will inflict them on all who hate you. You will destroy all the peoples the Lord your God give over to you. Do not look on them with pity and do not serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. You may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? Do not be afraid of them. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand, outstretched arm, with which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the people you now fear. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until even the survivors who hide from you have perished. Do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God who is among you is great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals will multiply around you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you, throwing them into great confusion until they are destroyed. He will give their kings into your hand, and you will wipe out their names from under heaven. No one will be able to stand up against you. You will destroy them. The images of their gods you are to burn in the fire. Do not covet the silver and gold on them, and do not take it yourselves, or you will be ensnared by it, for it is detestable to the Lord your God. Do not bring a detestable thing into your house, or you, like it, will be set apart for destruction. Regard it as vile and utterly detest it, for it is set apart for destruction. Psalm 91 Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side. 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you and all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra and will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. 
He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Okay, so number seven. We repeated ourselves a lot, but I think the point is, is that these incredible leaders, they bring their arsenal, they're considered the treasure of God, and they're all contributing. They're all giving to God and to the mission. And I think that's so awesome. And then my favorite part is the end, when number seven, and not just because it was over, but mostly because I'm just awestruck at what it would be like to have God speak to me audibly from between two cherubim above the golden tabernacle like he did with Moses. I mean, I just, oh, there's something so excited in me for the day when I can like audibly hear God's voice, something exciting to look forward to. And then let's talk about Deuteronomy 7. So lots to reflect on, I think, here today. Dr. Gary Miller describes the point of Deuteronomy 7 as Moses trying to ensure that people understand the point of prioritizing covenantal listening. And it is, dot, 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 drum roll, please, the appropriate response, right? So we continue to read about, you know, total victory and seeming, you know, total destruction, which on one hand continues that pattern from Genesis 3.15, where God talks about the enmity and a son, a descendant of Mary that will crush the adversary's head and how the adversary will strike the descendant's heel. Of course, we know the descendant is Jesus, but two points are being emphasized in the pattern of all the stories, the little stories inside of these stories so far. God is the architect of victory, and he is bringing it to us for us, and there is a cost, and he is paying it. Without it, we know in context, we are alienated and dislocated from him, right? Because like he is holy and nothing that isn't holy can be close. They can't be intermixed, right? So right relationship and close proximity to him is the goal. And we are part of it though. We have a role in responding and guarding against. So as Genesis 4-7 indicated from the beginning, and we saw it over and over and all the little stories in the story, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control us, but we must subdue it and be its master so that it does not master us. Some of these guardrails are general to prevent idolatry. But the truth is, we can put so many things in a place of worship in our hearts. Things like success, comfort, the need to be right. Dr. Timothy Keller explains this so well in his book called Prodigal God. We must have self-awareness and sober self-judgment to notice our tendencies and put preventative measures in place. Because for one person, the idol might be comfort, and then they're going for too much, too often ice cream. It's their kryptonite. Whereas another might idolize control and struggle with alcohol abuse when they feel like they're not in control. The idols may be similar and or different. The kryptonites might be different colors. But the connected collective concern is the human struggle to put one thing in place of God and and those other things, if they're idols, will utterly destroy us, right? So that location in our heart and our mind and our behavior is so important. My oldest daughter asked me once if it was okay to want things. And my answer that I use as a measure for myself is yes, But if you feel that wanting becoming a sickness where it makes you angry because you don't have it or can't have it now or maybe ever, it's a red flag that its location in your life is or showing signs of becoming 
too strong and perhaps, you know, fighting for idolship in your life. It's interesting, my initial understanding of self-control was that I'm in control and I am to control all things related to myself. But the Bible and character studies have helped me to mature my understanding, where self-control is actually an instant obedience to the initial promptings of God's Spirit. Where here Moses is talking about covenantal active listening, and the New Testament will introduce this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians, for example, 524 to 25, which talks about how this indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it's our, he's our advocate, counselor, the one to help us with the stirring of initial promptings towards instant obedience. The Holy Spirit is our guide to help us understand scripture and to recognize our red flags and active listening for the what to do, what not to do, and how to do things in our lives in every moment. There is a caution in Deuteronomy 7 that knowing we are God's treasured possession may lead to a sense of entitlement versus gratitude. The heart's location is different and behavior is different when we're receiving blessing to be a blessing versus taking the blessing for blessing ourselves or for the blessing's sake to us. We're being called instead to this steady, steadfast relationship where Dr. Miller describes God's initiatives as the ongoing grace experience that leads to our obedience. Dr. Miller states, and I quote, the twin temptations of greed, the belief that God's goodness isn't enough, and idolatry, the belief that God himself is not enough, imperiling the life of the nation, Ah, I just have to say that again. An important point of discernment being made by Moses here is the twin temptations we face and thinking God's goodness isn't enough. So like I need to do this or that. Like I'm, again, I'm centering myself in this God's story as I'm in control or the belief that God himself is not enough. In sales, there are situations where we have to invite others to trust and see the value of us as a person and and or the brand we're representing, and then the value of what the offer is. But here, God has been and is and continues to display his immutable character. We know him. We were born of his created will. We also know that what he's offering, he gave us scripture and all the real things within it that tell in capitals the story about the value of his creative will, love, redemptive mission, promises that he has and he will fulfill, and the purpose of it all. It's a good self-assessment tool, I think. Is the issue that we do not see the value in a relationship with God himself or that he is who he says he is? Or is the issue we are struggling with that we feel it's not enough, that he, that the story is just not enough? And how can we see these red flags in ourselves and how can we respond to them maturely? May we pray for each other and encourage each other for the covenantal listening to call on the Holy Spirit to draw out of us the initial promptings of God to obey in all sorts of actions in our lives. For me, I distinguish between conviction and guilt. Guilt drives me to self-righteousness or a, like a taking and earning type of posture where conviction tends to be more of this stirring and I have to catch my breath and a process or a wave of lament from the sin in my life. It grieves me and I have to give it to the Lord. It's too overwhelming. And immediately I can sense and hear God moving and prompting me towards right posture and a proper and appropriate response to him. For me, this is self-control listening for and responding to the do this, don't do that, do this in this way, promptings and stirrings on my heart. 
there's there's just things that he calls me to act and then react and then react to that and then act to this. Not the do this or else or do this and, you know, be or earn voice that sometimes likes to challenge my attention, but it's it's the other one. And so the prayer is for the discernment that we are listening to the Holy Spirit, to God's voice, to covenantal will of, of God in what we do and how we do it. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.